0: Welcome back to Lakes, Woods & Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, the fan. Also find us on Facebook at Lakes, Woods and & Irons and also uh, podcasts, really wherever podcasts are found, but also Podcast One, Lakes, Woods & Irons there. can always listen and uh, go back and find uh, previous uh, episodes as well. Chris, uh, PGA is this week, the uh, second major of the year now, always was kind of traditionally the fourth major, and now it's the... Uh, with the change in schedules, it's the second major of the year. Looks like it'll stay where it is now.
1: Yeah, I hope so. It, it, uh, once we get used to it, I think it's going to be a great change uh, where you have a major in April, May, June, and July in the in the heart of the golf season. And uh, uh, it just takes a little getting used to that we've got a, the PGA Championship right now.
0: Yeah, and this year it works out great because it's a Ryder Cup year. And then you have that other big main event toward the end of the year so there's room for that and it doesn't seem like it's kind of squeezed in at the end of the year so yeah like outstanding i think the uh, golf course chris is a uh, can be a monster i think i read uh, maybe this morning that it they can play it at 7800 yards if they want to
2: yeah
1: it's uh longest um golf course in championship history at uh, they're I'm, they're not going to play it at at it's a little over seventy eight hundred yards, which I I just can't imagine playing <laughs> playing a golf course from that long. <laughs> um, but you know, it's seventy eight hundred yards plus. It's at sea level, which uh, you know, com- compared to Brainerd, Minnesota, you you know, it, it's it's a good half a club longer. Uh, or almost a full club launder depending on your club head speed. So sure. it, it, yeah. it's an extremely hard golf course, and it's a it, long golf course, and it's a it's a very good test. You know, we've we've seen the PGA Championship and the Ryder Cup there before, um, but they have done some uh, some renovation there, like they tend to do before major championships, and it'll be a great venue. You know, it'll, it'll it'll it will definitely bring the, the best player to the top.
0: We always hope for it, and uh, a lot of the very best players and probably the most popular players in the world are have all won recently. Uh, Thomas has won, Spieth has won, and McElroy has won, uh, all within the last, what, maybe six weeks. So that's, right. uh, that's pretty exciting. If we could get some kind of a showdown between three or four or five of the, the top golfers, most popular golfers, that's always fun.
1: Oh, for sure. And, you know, it's... Uh, with with Rory McIlroy and Jordan Speeth winning uh, uh, two of the last three weeks, at, uh you know, two two of the most popular players in golf are, are you know hopefully peaking at the right time. It's hard to win multiple weeks in a row, but the, those two are definitely playing very well. And especially Jordan Spieth uh, has been trending in that direction for the last six or eight weeks. And um, it, it, it's the it's the strongest field of any of the major championships and. We've got some great players, you know, kind of peaking at the right time.
0: And Rory won at uh, Kiowa uh, in 2012. Yes. Yeah, and then he's he's won it in 2014, and Thomas won it in 17. So, yeah, it's pretty exciting. They uh, yeah. Some of the best in the world. Morikawa, who knows how – he was great last year in the PGA, and, and Kepka won the two before that. So it's uh, big names in recent years. For many years, it seemed like the tournament where – uh, maybe by the nature of the players that that get to play in it, maybe more of a not an everyday player because they're all fabulous. But you don't have to be the greatest in the world to win the PGA a few years ago. But now it seems like maybe you do.
1: <laughs> well, they, you know they they've I think they've changed their course setup philosophy a little bit. Um, you know the the U.S. Open always tends to go to uh, you know kind of historically significant or classic golf courses and augusta is obviously in the same place every year and and the open championship is on lynx golf and uh, the pga is is a little bit tended to play on more modern golf courses and so it suits a, a little different players game to some extent so we've seen some some different winners of the pga and um it, it it's it's going to be it's going to be an interesting week the weather is supposed to be perfect um you know not as much wind as typical a lot of sunshine no rain in the forecast at the moment so it will even though the golf course is, is one of the more difficult tests in major championship golf i think we'll see some some pretty good scoring
0: a couple pretty good guests uh, coming up logan jackson they uh head teaching professional out at the Pines in the Preserve and a nice segment with Eric Peterson, general manager out at Craigens, who's got some exciting news about uh, the Lehman 18 out at uh, Craigens and other things with the uh, some of the revamping that's happening out there. should be fun. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, the fan. And uh, look for us on Lakes, Woods, and Irons' Facebook page, and also at uh, Podcast One, you can uh, find us there under Lakes, Woods, and Irons as well. And really, wherever you look for your podcasts, you can find it, Lakes, Woods, and Irons. Chris, uh, another special guest with us. And uh, lots going on at this uh, young man's uh, facility. So I'll let you handle the introductions.
1: Yeah, I want to welcome Eric Peterson to the show. Eric is a PGA member and the, the general manager of Cregan's Resort. Welcome to the show, Eric
2: yeah thank you very much happy to be here
1: boy i uh there aren't too many guys that are busier than in the Brainerd lakes area right now than you are
2: <laughs> yeah that uh probably is true there uh we've got a few projects and uh pretty big uh and obviously just going into the uh, summer season usually is a big enough job that we have you know it's in running a resort that's usually plenty to add on your plate but uh yeah we have a few more things going on than just uh, getting ready for a uh, another busy summer season here in brainerd
1: yeah you know i uh, when i'm on the lesson tea, I get a a lot of people asking me what what's going on out on uh, 77 there where all those trees are being cleared and um t- tell us a little bit about what's happening you get, we're building nine new holes at the legacy and and really remodeling the other 36.
2: Yeah, so what started out as, uh, you know, we, you know Dutch Cregan has owned some land to the east of our current golf course, kind of spreading all the way out to the river. And he's owned that for a number of years. In fact, we've looked at different options of, you know, expanding the golf course and things like that. But it really came into uh, clarity this fall. Um, we met Tom Lehman and Dutch was there and he had his son up playing in a match play event in August. And Tom played the golf course with him in a practice round, and, and then followed his son around for a couple other days of uh, watching him play. And and then we started talking to Tom, and he said, "You know what? You know I'm, I would love to uh, take a look at you know the design work and and you know improving the golf course that you have here. You know he's impressed with the area, and he would love to take a look at it. So that started the conversation. And uh, about four weeks later, he came up with his uh, design partner. And they presented a, a master plan, if you will, to uh, completely renovate our 36 holes of existing golf and add nine holes. So the uh, the, the plan that we're on right now is we're going to end up with an 18 hole golf course, which we've uh, we've currently have it named the Layman 18. We'll see if that uh, if that sticks. But uh, Tom's talking about it as a Layman 18 when we talk about it, and then we'll have a 27 hole golf course as well. Uh, and when I mean a complete renovation, I think the easiest way to imagine it is we're going to eliminate every bunker on the golf course. So we're going to take them, fold them in, and we're starting over with the uh, with the bunkers themselves. We're going to put back about 30% of the bunkers. And then uh, with that, we're creating some new green sites, really focusing on the bunkers and the green um you know the green sites and the surrounds around those greens, making that playing experience, uh, you know, again second to none. Eric, so
1: what, what, what's the timeline? I, you know, we've got you've got nine holes closed right now, re, remodeling or redoing the, that nine. The new nine is being built. How's it all going to fit in with the other twenty-seven?
2: Yeah, so probably the easiest way to refer to it is, you know, for people who know the legacy and love it now, we have the uh, Dutch 18 and the Bobby's 18. So the easiest way I can kind of explain it is we're basically, we started on the back nine of the Bobby's course. So that is closed right now. We're remodeling all of those holes as well as, you know, incorporating the, you know, some of the routing changes and little things there. But essentially that nine is closed right now. Our plan is to have that reopen in the mid summertime time. So sometime in July, we'll open up that, uh, that Bobby's back nine again and we'll close the Dutch front nine. And we'll do that, so we'll have, so the goal is we're gonna have 27 holes available, you know, throughout the project timeline. And, uh, you know, we'll be back up to 36 holes, you know, about a year from August. That's when our the Laman 18 will probably have its grand opening as you know that August September of next year, and then alongside that we'll also be playing you know 18 of the existing uh, of the existing 27 as well that will have been remodeled as well, and we'll be working on that last nine. So the whole project will be complete in 2023. But what's really unique is you know you're not you're going to be able to see the project evolve. And also, if you come out and play the golf course as soon as the, you know, mid-July, we'll be playing some of these new golf holes with the new routing, new bunkers, new green complexes and things like that. So it'll be kind of a, uh, it, it's not quite like a new golf course where, boom, it's on top of you and you get all new stuff. You'll get to see new things every, uh, you know, three to four to five months. You'll be playing new golf holes. So it's going to be exciting to see it uh, kind of evolve that way.
0: I was on the range with uh, one of the one of the designers, and uh, he kind of handles the bunkers. Danny, I think his name is. And uh, he's an artist in New York, he says, in the other part of his life. <laughs> and then gets with the layman team. And uh, it was really interesting to hear him talk about the way they look at the course and him being an artist and combining that part of his personality with golf course design and saying, you know, I don't make the bunkers. The bunkers are already there. I just... You know, I just uh, uh, just kind of form them. So it was, it's pretty unique uh, personalities of course designers. They have to really, really be creative. It's I bet it's a lot of fun to work with them.
2: Yeah, it takes a team to build, uh, to renovate golf courses and build golf courses. You know, and really be able to see that vision. You know, and obviously it starts with uh, you know Tom Lehman and his partner Chris, who are the designers. And then they also have to bring in talent, very talented people, to be able to take their vision and actually build it. So there are people that uh, they specialize in what they call the shaping portion of the golf course. Yeah. And that's where you get those, uh, you, you know, just what it says. You're creating the, the shapes of the bunkers. You're creating the, the, the flow and the surrounds around the greens. And, you know, again, this is all stuff that, uh, you know, that are is visualized when the design process is put in, but you still need the talented people to, to be able to build what, uh, what the designer sees. So that, uh, that is an interesting take. And, and Danny is an interesting guy there from New York.
1: Yeah, Eric, it's, it's interesting. I, I love the study of golf work, of course, architecture and have read a lot and traveled a lot to see, see all these different golf courses, but you know, in, anybody can read a blueprint and, Shape something that's from a you know that has that knowledge on a bulldozer, but not everybody has the the talent or the vision to be able to shape the bunkers how they're envisioned and you know tilt a green in the direction that it needs to go and and all the, those intricacies that go into creating a, a great golf course and a great experience and so the, the the team that's assembled is is really the key to the whole process, isn't it?
2: It really is. And, I, you know, there's one, uh, you know, you know, recurring theme that I hear. And Tom's been on site, I think, about four, maybe five times, um, three times since the spring, so since we've gotten started. And then his partner, Chris, who Chris Brands, who's been in the design business for years as well, he's, you know, here about 85% of the time. So he's pretty much moved in. Um, and what he says is, you know, anybody can create regular Golf course shapes, you know. Everybody does, you know, this bunker shape or that shape green or everything, you know, things like that. He goes, y- you have to really work hard to uh, and find the right talent and people to do something that looks different. And that's really, it's amazing how important that is to uh, to Tom and Chris to come up with. We want this place to be memorable, and then the other side. I mean, that's a big part of it. But the other part of the golf course is we want it to be playable and enjoyable for everybody. And, you know, again, I think that's where I should probably chat a little bit about is, you know, why do you have a, you know, why do you have bunkers and hazards and challenges in places where the higher handicap and and the beginner player hits the ball? There's no point in having a bunker. The classic example I have is 180 yards off the tee to the right. You know, <laughs> why would you ever put a bunker You
0: don't have to there. talk about personally right to me, do you,
2: <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Well, Mac, do you like it when that bunker's, a, you know, and again, a better player, a low handicapper has never hit it in that bunker in the history of, <laughs> you know, in the time they play golf. So are we trying to make golf more difficult or challenging for the average and beginner player? Or are we trying to make golf more difficult and challenging and make you think for the better player? and that's where it's amazing even though tom's a tour professional you know got up to number one player in the world and is and there's not too many people that can say that in their lifetime right and but yet he looks at golf in the perspective of how can we make it fun for everybody
1: yeah i don't think a lot of people you know we we think of tom as a an open champion winner and writer cupper and captain of the Ryder cup has a, a fabulous career uh i don't think a lot of people realize that he's he, he, what an accomplished golf course architect he is as well
2: yeah he has done some amazing projects and what's really unique here is you know again to have an opportunity to uh to work with our facility you know only uh, you know an hour and a half away from his you know summer home in alexandria you know he is he couldn't be more excited about this project and you know the point that he is in his career now he's still playing a uh what i would say a full schedule on the on the champions tour but yet he'll come back home home base is alexandria in the summer and so he's you know he's so excited to have a uh be able to put his name on a project, you know, in in such an area that uh, is so near and dear to his heart.
0: And the so sand in the bunkers is going to have a little different look. I understand, Eric. Is that right?
2: Yeah, we're uh, you know again the the bunker project is uh, is a pretty uh, you know we're not cutting any costs or anything there. We are uh, you know like you say putting thirty percent of the bunkers back. We're fully lining them. We have a new product that we're lining these bunkers with. It's a a basically a porous almost a porous pavement but it's kind of a rubber product and then we're going to invest and put the uh ohio's best white sand on top of that and uh so they'll definitely be uh you know as good or better than you know i would say the bunkers that you'll play all year long and i would say we will rival any uh private club in the state of minnesota as far as the quality of our and playability of our bunkers
0: nice
1: yeah. Vi- visually, it'll be incredible. You know, I, I was out there for the first time uh, earlier this week, Eric. And, you know, I was amazed. I was on uh, 12 and 13 and a lot of trees have been removed both for the new nine and what they're doing on, on the back nine there of, of Bobby's. And it's amazing the views that have been opened up with some of that tree removal. Yeah, Yeah, I think people will be amazed to see the elevation change.
2: Yeah, it's really changing the feel of the golf course because you're going to, uh, you know, I was taking a golf rider around about a week ago, a gentleman who's kind of played all over the world and has really gotten passionate about golf course and design and things. And he's always known about the legacy. One of his favorite golf holes in, in all of Minnesota is here. And, but he, he shared with me, he goes, I've always said that the Legacy and Cregan's Courses had the best land in Brainerd to work with. And now you're going to be able to, uh, with the changes you're making, you're really going to maximize that through the visual and playability of doing it, you know, and, and making the most of the land that we do have.
1: Eric, along with the golf course, we've, you've got um, some housing projects going on as well around the golf course. Share with us some of that.
2: Yeah, we, uh, about three years ago, we uh, started to venture into a little bit of the development business and as far as the residential development. um, We started with the Legacy Village, which is just north of the clubhouse, um, tied into, uh, really tied into the city uh, of East Gull Lake with the trail right in front of it, you know, has some nice amenities and that's kind of a maintenance-free community. Um, 38 homes in there. We sold 27 of the 38 in about two years. So it's really kind of kind of boomed there. And so we thought it was important as we uh, developed this um, golf expansion that we have some other opportunities. And so we've got two unique um, developments that we're putting together. One we call the Legacy Point. It's off of Gull River Road, um, 16 home sites. They sit kind of above the golf, up on on a high area and overlook the golf. Um, almost every one of those lots have a, has a great golf course view. And then the other one is the Legacy Ridge um, development, and that's probably going to be a little bit more in the forefront for people because, as you mentioned uh, at the beginning, Chris, that some of the trees coming down on County Road seventy seven, um, you know that a lot of that clearing is both for the housing and the golf. Um. There's some tremendous, to pro, you know, ups and downs and, and unique land there. So we had, you know, again, to be able to, um, you know, put in some roads and build some golf, you know, you're going to have to grade and move some dirt to really create and, and open up these views and, and create the uh, the area that you need for, for golf holes and home sites. So it's, you know, that's going to be uh, 53 homes in that off of County Road 77, but they stretch a long ways. I think my uh, uh, development, uh, the road in there is, it's at least three quarters of a mile of of a road within there. And so, you know, it it covers a very large area and these lots also average about an acre in size. So again, the focus is on having tremendous views. Most of the lots sit high above the fairways. So again, in a safe distance away from the, the golf hole, and your view is looking over the top of golf and then usually out onto some other feature, whether it be a a wetland or a long view down the river valley and things like that. So and a couple of them actually have views that go, you know, all the way across a large wetland to see golf on the other side, you know, some you know, you know, probably two thousand feet away from you, so a half mile away. When is the, when are those projects going to
1: become available for people to to learn more and see lots and those those type of things?
2: Yeah, I'm taking inquiries now, so if people are interested, they're certainly welcome to reach out to myself at Craigans and uh, you know and ask about them, and and I'll start to uh, you know they can be on the early you know kind of the preview list if you will um, to you know so as as more information comes out, I'll keep sharing um, you know you know, the, the lot locations, they, the, the sizes, I even, I'm even happy to tour, you know, one of my favorite things to do is uh, show people what we're doing. So love to uh, share that with them as we go, you know, uh, roads will be in by the end of July. So that'll be the time that we'll uh, that's kind of our target to start marketing would be the end of July, beginning of August. But I would definitely not, uh, I would encourage people to if they are interested I can certainly share information where we're at now, and then keep them in the loop as uh, as time goes on, um, and as we get closer to that uh, end of the summer, or you know, mid to late summer.
0: Eric, I want to say your guys have really guys and girls have really. Uh, it's a yeoman's challenge going down to 27 holes for you guys after 36 all this time, and man, they're doing a great job. They're out there with the walkie-talkies and and back and forth. that's an old term, walkie-talkie, I guess, but they're communicating. <laughs> I, <don't have> <laughs> I think I've probably I'm a pack rat, probably still have one around somewhere, but uh, you know, it's really uh, everybody has to pitch in kind of effort. And to make it work, and it's really, it's really smooth. I mean, I I know it's a little different, but uh, they're doing a great job. The staff.
2: Yeah, thank you, Mac. I mean, we we are kind of throwing things in a curveball and things, and uh, you know, our head professional Tim Johnson, he's taken the ball, and uh, he created a a new scorecard for our, our first half of the year, and uh, so we've labeled our golf courses course one, two, and three. Um, we, we got some new T signs with, like you say, printed a new scorecard. He even went in as far as adjusting our GPS system and, uh, you know, so that has the proper holes on it and communicates. And then the fun about it is, is, uh, like I told you earlier in July, he's already prepping in uh, the- you know getting ready to print the new scorecard it'll be course one two and three it's just course number uh number two is going to be different than it was but <laughs> so course one and three will be the same on the scorecard but we're going to drop in basically the bobby's back nine will be course two and and the dutch front will be uh taken out of service so that we can uh, do the renovation on that one
0: well you guys know as fast as time goes, July is going to be here in the blink of an eye. So that's pretty exciting that we're going to get to see that, uh, already get to see that uh, back nine at Bobby's reopen.
2: Yeah, and some of the holes are coming together. Um, I just, you know, again, a quick example of what we're doing um, currently, and you'll see in July, is, you know, Bobby's number 10. Um, it's the golf hole that sits right in front of the clubhouse. You sit on the deck or in the Legacy Grill, more even more common, and you look out, and that's the hole that goes up the hill. And that was a par five, um, and now it's going to be a, a par four that ends up short of the water, the green site. And then number two, you just go off to the right, and you actually play to the same green complex that was hole number one originally. And what we did there is we've already come back we expanded the green put in a couple of new bunkers on that number two green and then we resodded. um and so that hole as of today almost looks very very playable and i would say within another week or so you could actually hit shots from the tee box and putt on that green and it it was uh and the only thing we kept on that whole green site was probably about a third of the green so that's uh, that's how quickly that one's coming back. Wow, yeah. And, and then we'll do that, and we're going to focus on our, our, you know, the teeing area and the green complexes. We're going to try to get those as as strong and as playable as we can. We're going to spend the money on the sodding and really working on those areas. And then when we open back up, there may be some fairways that are still growing in, and, you know, there might be an opportunity for some ground under repair here and there that, you know, you get to move it to a more favorable position. But when you get around off the tees and around those green complexes, we want those to be uh, because that's going to be the change that people are going to be so impressed with.
1: That's great stuff, Eric. A lot of moving parts.
2: Yeah, there is no doubt. We've got got a lot of people working on the project and coming and going, and, and so many people are integral to the support of that as far as... You know communicating to all of our golfing guests as they're coming out there and how the change is and i have to just thank our uh, our membership out at the legacy i have to thank uh you know our golf package guests our league members we had to make a change in our league this year because with 27 holes our men's league uh we moved uh moved them to two nights so they're working going on wednesday and thursday night now playing nine holes and rather than on thursday night using all 18 holes so we're able to accommodate the same uh, number of guys there with uh, over 100 um, uh, people in our men's league but what we have it going is we have about 60 or 55 on one day and 55 on the next day rather than have them all be able to come out on the same day just with the uh, you know a little bit reduced capacity they've uh, they adapted to that change and I you know again I appreciate that and I think everybody is excited about the future and and you know they can they know it's a little bit of pain in the next two years as far as um, compressed availability. But I can't wait. They're going to be, uh, again, amazed at the golf product and the, uh, the quality and playability of it when we're done. It's truly going to be a world-class facility here, um, adding to the, again, enhancing what we already have here in Brainerd.
0: Can hear the excitement in your voice, Eric. It's going to be great. I sure appreciate you uh, taking the time and joining us today. Chris, anything else?
1: no uh, uh, great stuff eric appreciate you coming on and uh we'll get you on here later in the summer to give us an update on on all that's happening
2: yeah that would be fantastic look forward to and again encourage all the listeners to come out and take a look at what's going on i had a golf member uh just yesterday he was standing up in the parking lot just watching the big uh the big dozer push um push the dirt around creating the uh number 18 of the layman course and he was just watching them make the shapes and do the work so it, it is truly a project that will evolve throughout the summer
0: all right thanks a million eric that's eric peterson out at Craigans with an unbelievably exciting project going on with uh, tom layman and chris brands and their crew you're listening to lakes woods and irons on 1380 kliz welcome back to lakes woods and irons with chris foley colin mcdonald with you 1380 kliz the fan also, find us on Facebook at Lakes, Woods, and Irons, and as well as uh, Podcast One, Lakes, Woods, and Irons at Podcast One as well. Chris, special guest with us today. I'll let you handle the introductions.
1: Yeah, I want to welcome Logan Jackson. Logan is the head teaching pro at the Pines and Preserve. Welcome to the show, Logan.
3: Thanks, Chris. I appreciate you having me on.
1: Absolutely. Logan, for those who don't know you, give us a little bit about your background. I know you've been there. At the Pines and Preserve for several years, and
3: yeah, um, it's hard to believe. I was just talking to somebody. You know, I've been here at Grandview for nine years um, in multiple various roles, but um, my last five have been uh, as a teaching professional, or and I was an assistant golf professional for a little bit as well. Um, I grew up in Pillager. Uh, you know, played golf there. Um, and, and just kind of decided to continue in the golf business. I went to Concordia college, um, with the intent of never doing this. And, and I kind of got hooked and here I am. So it's been really fun.
1: Well, that's great. You know, gosh, golf is, is like we talk on the show is, is hotter than ever right now. And, um, what's really neat is to see so many kids out playing the game. And I, I know you have a very nice junior program at the pines and the preserve. Tell us about that.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, you know, we've, we've had two pretty solid junior programs the last, uh, basically for the last, you know, five to ten years um, with our beginner golf night and our junior golf school. Um, our junior golf school is in the morning. Um, it's for ages 8 to 14, from 9 to 11, and we do it basically the first two weeks of June and the first two weeks of July. Um, it kind of covers all the basics of the game, and we just try to make it as fun as possible and get as many kids involved. Um, And beginner golf night, that's just on Wednesday nights, um, twice in June, twice in July, and twice in August, which that, as a program, I've kind of really worked to expand over the last couple of years. Um, it started with just three nights when I when I came here, um, and we just got a lot more traction on it and decided to kind of keep branching out with it and, and just offer more opportunities. You know, parents are more available in the evenings to get kids here, um, which is fun as well. So, um, yeah, that's that's one of our bigger ones. And this year, I'm also adding a junior league. Um, I know a lot of my kids like to get out and play. And uh, we don't always get that opportunity, you know, with those morning programs because the golf course does get pretty busy. Um, so now on Thursday evenings, I'm adding kind of an expanded version of junior golf school uh, for ages 7 to 15. Basically, there's going to be an instructional half of it for uh, the one hour um, from, five, from 5 to 6. And then from 7 to 6, we're going to get out or from 6 to 7, get out and then play a, a little bit of golf and kind of let them compete on teams. And similar to what PGA Junior League is doing, but try to do it kind of on our own uh, in-house controlled scale.
1: No, oh, that's great.
3: And Logan, where where do you do
1: most of your instruction? Are you are you at the Pines or the Preserve?
3: Yeah, I mainly do all my instruction here at the Pines. Some all of our junior golf is going to be uh, here as well. The, the Preserve, um, they you know Adam Haugen does teach a little bit, and he spent some time there. And also Ryan, um, he's the assistant professional up there. He's starting to branch out and do a little bit, and so he's kind of piggybacking off of what uh, what might be up there for you know the membership. Um, and things like that so i'm i'm staying kind of exclusively here at the pines we had jack warrell on the director of golf at, at grandview
1: a couple of weeks ago and jack was saying how busy you've been club fitting and that you had some tailor-made fitting days coming up and it sounds like you you've, you're very busy do, fitting golf clubs right now
3: yeah absolutely uh april i think everyone was thinking it's time to start playing more golf and uh you know it's time to upgrade our equipment. Um, you know like we were saying a little bit before the show uh, you know I, I club fit more than I did uh, golf instruction in the month of April so um, TaylorMade has been pretty popular but you know with Woods everything's so good right now um, you know we're really just trying to dial numbers and, and get the right you know half you know the head and shaft combination um, to optimize these players games and it's been really fun to, uh, to see the results that people get I'm sure you see it too Chris you know you get them the right thing and that the ball jumps out there and it's 20 yards further and it's you know, apexing at the right height with the right spin, and and you just see the light in their eyes too. So it's fun for us and fun for them.
0: Such yeah, a no such quite. a sea change in the game with uh, club fitting. Chris, you've been around a little longer than Logan, but certainly you've both seen it. And uh, I mean, um, when I came up playing, you, you went and swung a, a, maybe a couple different sets and thought, okay, I'll take that one. You know, there wasn't there wasn't any club fitting opportunities and. Uh, what a world of difference. Both of you have uh, kind of gone through this transition together.
1: Yeah, no question. L- Logan, f- for those not familiar with club fitting, t- tell us the procedure for that. How, do- how does that
3: work? Sure, absolutely. You know, in a lot of my club fittings, um, I basically just kind of start with some static measurements. You know, we do the wrist on the floor, um, things like that, check their height. Of course, you know, if you do it long enough, you start to feel it a little bit more visual. You know, you can kind of just get a, get an idea of what shaft length we're gonna start with. Um, and then from there, you know, we test some club head speeds at the launch monitor um, and then get going from there uh, to kind of test, you know, shaft flex, shaft weight. And then I, I really like to, to adjust based on launch angle and spin, those are the two things I'm watching really, really close. Um, if we can optimize those, basically, I think through the weight of the shaft a lot of the time, and, and we, you know, we just continue to interchange and, and find what feels right, what reacts right, um, and really, again, get the numbers right, but also what seems to be really good for the player. So that's, you know, how I go about my fitting process. I know it kind of varies for everyone. Yeah, it's it's amazing
1: the difference getting the right flex, the right weight of shaft, and, and a loft on a driver can make for a player. Yeah, and absolutely. Yeah, you know, I always... Tell people, you know, a lot of people think, well, I'm not good enough to be club fit, but in reality, I, it, it makes more difference for less experienced player to be in golf clubs that fit them than it does for the, it's important for everybody. But it makes a bigger impact on that less experienced player because it, it, uh, their swings are really built around their equipment. So if they get something in their hands that, that performs better for them, they're just going to play better golf.
3: Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, we've, I'm sure, you know, between the two of us, we've seen our lesson to all the time. Somebody comes with, you know, 25-year-old equipment, it's super heavy, and, it, you know, they're, they're really struggling with it. And, you you know, if you can throw them something different, I mean, it changes their ball flight immensely, and, and even their golf swing, just because they can get to positions that they can't get with their current clubs. Well, Logan, if people
1: want to find out more about your programs and, and sign up for junior golf or lessons, club fitting, how do, how do they go about that?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Of course, contact me directly is always a good way. Uh, My cell phone's 218-537-0400. Otherwise, I have my own website. You can check it out, loganjacksongolf.com. All my junior golf signups are on there. Um, All information on private instruction, club fitting. You can book a lesson with myself or also um, both the assistant professionals here, uh, Ben Kepsel and Ryan Pedersen. Of course, they're going to start picking up with their instruction as well. So, uh, we always try to have as much availability as possible, you know, for our guests and also anyone in the local area as well.
1: Fantastic. Well, Logan, we appreciate you coming on the show and uh, look forward to seeing you here throughout the summer.
3: Yeah, that's great. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Have a good rest of your summer.
1: Thanks, Thanks. Logan.
0: That's Logan Jackson, head teaching professional at the Pines and the Preserve. We've been telling you about uh, Lakes, Woods & Irons on Facebook and an opportunity for you to win. You just uh, like the page and then drop-down opportunity for you there to win. In fact, Chris Ball of Brainerd just picked up a $50 gift certificate to second swing golf by doing just that. Just like the page and sign up to win, and you might win some golf swag. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, the fan. Look for us on Facebook, Lakes, Woods, and Irons. We invite you to like the page. We'd appreciate it. You can submit questions there for us as well, and also you can register. There'll be a little drop down there. You can register for some golf swag. We should have some rounds of golf for you coming up in uh, in uh, the weeks ahead, so that should be fun, but you need to be on the list to win. So, Chris, uh, we did have a question a question from the TU. Yeah, no, I did want to talk about your tent that was out there pretty handy. It was hot uh last time i was up there uh hitting balls i just missed you actually you passed each other in the car but uh, that's right um, uh, you, you've got the tent which is very cool and very nice for outdoors whether there's inclement weather or really hot weather
1: yeah i got uh invested in a couple what they're called the golf tent i actually it's it's a product out of scotland and i've um I met the guys on one of my trips over there several years ago, and they've been developing this this golf tent for for gosh, probably six or seven years now. And I've given them a lot of feedback along the way cause, with as much teaching and that I do, and as much teaching in inclement weather. But it's it's really a, it's a great tool because it it kind of it number one it eliminates the rain days. Uh, and yes. Last week we had Wednesday. It rained most of the day, and I didn't have to give up any lessons. But it's also great to get out of the heat a little bit and in the in the shade. So it's a it's basically an inflatable tent that you can hit from end out, and uh, it's nice nice little addition to the to the lesson tee.
0: It is. Yeah. It looks. It's very. Uh, it's good looking too. Fits right in with everything there on the yeah, on the range. So good. Yeah. It's a it's a very cool product. We did get a question uh, from one of our, our regular listeners, and uh, we talked about uh, putting the last uh, maybe two of the last three weeks, and because uh, it's something you can work on early in the season, certainly. But the question essentially, uh, Chris, do you have it there? or
1: I do. Okay. It's, uh, it's from our good friend Troy Ingram. He, Troy says that you've, you've talked about putting practice. Do they mow the practice putting greens as frequently as they mow the putting greens at a golf course? to give you a true read of the speed of the ball. So good, good question there from Troy. And, you know, um, as a generalization, and I I can't say this at every golf facility, but the vast majority of golf facilities mow their greens um, on a daily basis in the, in the heart of the season. Um, So, you know, in our season from really mid May to uh, October 1st, the greens are going to be mowed every day other than, maybe once every two to three weeks they have what they call a skip mow day and um one of the most important positions uh on a golf course maintenance staff is the guy who who takes care of the greens mowers and um the greens mowers that one they're 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 sharpened every single day after they after they're they're done mowing for the days the the greens mowers are brought into the shop. Um, they sharpen the blades and then they set the mowing height of those, those blades on a daily basis. And they're, they're precise to the, you know, uh, one of an inch basically. So that the responsibility, that person has a lot of responsibility yeah. in, you know, in, in the, the operation of the golf course. So uh, for the most part, it, Typically, all greens on a golf course are going to be mowed on a daily basis, so the practice green as well as as the other greens, and you know you'll hear people talk about all oh, that green must have been mowed or you know the greens were inconsistent in speed and um generally that that's not the case at all and if you took out a a stem meter on on each green and midday on uh, a, a typical day if you took the stem reading of every green they'd all be within a very close proximity to each other and there there are environmental things that can can change the green speed such as you know if a if a green sits much more open uh and has a lot more wind or air movement which you know may dry the green out quicker and thus make the make the service a little little faster or if a green has a lot more exposure because it's it's at a high point on the golf course. The speed may be slightly different there. But for the most part, you're gonna find uh, if if they're doing their maintenance on their mowers and that type of thing, very consistent speed from green to green. So you should be able to get a very good gauge of the, the speed of the greens on that on that putting that practice putting green.
0: Boy, you're kind of taking away Troy's and my excuses there, Chris, by saying that. Uh, <laughs> you can
1: always still use those, Matt. They're just. Uh,
0: That's really uh, true, it, though. Even on the, I mean, professional tournaments, there'll be two or three holes, like you're saying, that are exposed to the wind, and uh, uh, they'll talk about those holes being much trickier to putt than maybe uh, most of the holes on the golf course. So, I mean, uh, everything is relative out on the golf course. It's not like. Same as uh, same as I guess if it's an easy par four versus a tough par four, there's uh, there's some yeah. differences out there.
1: Yeah, you know, it's really part of the art of playing the game is is having an awareness of you know the things that are around you, and uh, you know having that awareness of of you know this this green is faster because it has more slope or you know the it it looks browner for instance and. Uh, you know, this green's going to be faster because of the wind's blowing and it's dried out and those type of things. It's like when we were talking about the Walker Cup uh, a couple weeks ago and on Sunday how hot, dry weather and the, and the greens, you know, from, from early in the day until early afternoon, they totally changed complexion and got so much firmer and, and faster. So uh, the best players just have a better awareness of that.
0: I wanted to ask you one quick question. We'll wrap it up, Chris. uh, This week, the PGA, uh, of course, it's uh, one of golf's majors, but they're going to let the guys use rangefinders. And uh, the general consensus among some of the commentators I've seen is the guys are going to mostly stick to their yardage books anyway. What do you think about it?
1: Well, I think um – I, if for for daily play I really like the use of a of a range finder. Yeah. Uh, if it, if it increases the pace of play. And that that's the, the number one thing. Um, you know the, the difference between you know using a range finder and what what a caddy of the yardage they're giving them on tour is typically the the caddy is going to give them a a carry distance meaning to the front edge of the green possibly they give them the back edge yardage as well as the pin. Yeah. So, you know, so they, with, with a range finder, you're not going to get that information. Uh, if you had like GPS, you may be able to get that information, but you know, that yardage book is, is giving you uh, front back middle yardages or the pin sheet, uh, is giving you a, a precise pin yardage. So, um, I, I, I guess what I would say is I, I'm not I'm not opposed to them using rangefinders on the PJ Tour, but unfortunately, I think it, in general it, it could slow down play rather than pick up play.
0: That's what I was wondering uh-huh. that that might happen. Although you know, the offline is- shots, I know I've heard some of the players say it, it it might help when you if you hit one into the next fairway, uh, it might be an easier easier quicker way to get uh, distance
1: definitely definitely much better in that situation um because you, you you know you can spend a lot of time trying to figure out a yardage when when you're off offline it all it always comes to mind when when jordan spieth won the uh, <laughs> uh won the open championship at, at royal burkdale you know and he hit it basically hit it on the driving range yeah on uh, on the 16th hole and I mean that that hole that hole took them about 45 minutes to play. By the time they got a ruling and Jordan figured out his yardage and everything else that took place on that hole, but I actually so thought it, that it, was
0: quite unfair in Jordan's favor. Actually, as much time yeah. as that took,
1: it, it really was. I mean, I think it uh, it definitely took the the sales out of Matt Coocher's. Uh, it took the wind out of Matt Kuchar's sails Yeah, uh, all the time involved. I mean, he, he was hanging out on that, that green for <laughs> a good 45 minutes. But uh, not necessarily Jordan's fault, but the circumstances of it definitely uh, maybe changed the momentum a little bit. And Jordan hitting an incredibly two good approach shots when he was on the driving
0: range. So, <laughs> All right, Chris, uh, thanks again. Another great week. Thank you, Mac. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ.